In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Um, we are, we're in very weird times now, and so what we're doing now is we're coming together on the Lord's Day to read the Word of God and to take a spiritual word that we can use and apply in our hearts. There's a couple of things that I'm going to point out. And uh, I'm sorry, I apologize in advance. This is uh, might be a little bit longer than my usual 15 to 20 minute sermon. Uh, it's just that I want to be able to square things away and I feel we need an extra dose uh, of, of God in our homes, uh, especially during this period of time that we're not able to go and to worship in our churches, in our, in our um, places of worship. I never thought... <laughs> I never thought it could get worse than uh, that small room at St. John Chrysostom. <laughs> but it's not worse. It's, uh, it's different. It's not worse. We had There we had the body and blood of Christ. Here we don't have the body and blood of Christ. So we will be thankful for that room when we're able to return and God willing we'll be able to uh, move into a new space. Uh, as it goes, we were talking the past couple of weeks, we are focusing on parts of the Our Father and meditating on that prayer because this time of Great Lent is for us to, to be able to pray that with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength, to put everything we can into that small, simple prayer that we repeated. And we're going to speak today about the words, Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. You'll notice that this wonderful, beautiful woman, Samaritan woman, that she comes and she uh, meets Christ at the well. Um, I was debating about whether to talk about social distancing, but we can see Christ here is like the healthcare workers that we have now who are out there, the doctors and the nurses and the, the uh, first responders who are not allowed the luxury of this rule of social distancing. But Christ breaks that rule of social distancing and goes to the well to, to, to save the soul of that one person. Of course, uh, not everybody has that luxury and not everybody um, has that uh, ability. Um, you can turn your cameras off. You don't have to turn your cameras on during this period of time. Uh, so not everybody has that, but we see Christ who's able to do that, and, that's, and that is wonderful. Um, now, in addition to that, um, in addition to that, uh, we have Christ at the well, and she goes through a series of questions, and he speaks to them about the living water, and as he speaks to them about the living water, at her, about the living water, and then about her husbands, she discovers that this man is great. And she has immediately this response. She's like, you're a prophet. I have a burning question. And we can pause and we can say, how many of those burning questions uh, have we heard in the Old Testament? I mean, uh, go to Psalm 2, for example. David's burning question, that is, why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain things? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together. We have others, maybe like Habakkuk, who's saying, you know, why are 
the wicked flourishing and the righteous are being, you know, put into the ground. And he says, I will sit and I will wait on the Lord to hear this. Others have had burning questions in their hearts and have written them in the Old Testament. But we find this burning question of this woman is about worship. About worship. How can I worship God? You guys are saying in Jerusalem you worship. And here we're saying here uh, on this mountain. The, the Samaritans had this other belief. And he goes to her, believe me, the time is coming when you will neither in Jerusalem nor on this mountain worship the Father. And he speaks to her about worshiping the Father in spirit and in truth. Worshiping the Father and in spirit. And let me, believe, let me tell you right now, I'm completely off my, off my script here. Because it's, it's hitting me that this is what we are struggling with. How can we worship God? And in, in, in this time and age when we are quarantined in our homes. And he says, the Father is seeking true worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. And that worship in spirit and truth is not a complicated technical formula that we have to discover and work and fit. But it is worshiping in spirit, is worshiping uh, in spirit, in the Holy Spirit, through our baptisms as united Christians in the community of the church, we are worshiping together. I know that that sounds complicated, but what that simply is, is you in your home are able to worship in the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, and you worship God. I've mentioned before Egbeya, but it's time for us. We can sing praises, we can sing songs, we can sing the midnight praises together at home. Uh, we can make home a church where we do everything. We gather for psalms. We gather for, uh, for a, a time where we can read our Bibles. All of that is worship. And in truth, it's the truth is the reality. Truth is reality, and God is truth. And the, Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So how do we worship in spirit and in truth? Is this understanding of us uniting ourselves with Christ through the Holy Spirit. It's what happened to us in our baptism, and it's something that we activate in our spiritual lives, not only through our words and prayer and standing, but also through our actions. Our actions are part of our worship, our service. That word, worship and service, are often translated uh, interchangeably. Worship, sometimes service, sometimes ministry. Um, all of those words uh, sometimes flow together a little bit too fluidly. But what we have to understand is that when we offer our worship or our service to God, that we are doing this uh, by, uh, sorry, in the Holy Spirit, by Jesus Christ to the Father. Um, and everything is Trinitarian here. Right? So we're coming and we're doing everything in a Trinitarian way where we are sitting together, reading, and we're invoking the name of God, the Father, we say the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen, and we begin, and we offer this worship, worshiping God in truth, God who is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is the name of God that has been revealed to us by Jesus Christ. He says, baptized in the name, not in the names, plural, as the fathers have pointed out, but in the one name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
And all of our worship, which we are doing in our homes, is a worshiping in spirit and in truth. Now, of course, we increase our doctrine, we increase our understanding, so we are increasing in our truth. And it's important to study doctrine. And that I mentioned last night in the Bible study about abiding in God means abiding in the doctrine of Christ. That's Second John uh, verse 9. It's, it's just one chapter. Second John verse 9, that you abide in, Christ, in God by abiding in the doctrine. And we grow in our spirituality. We grow in our spirituality through bearing fruit, spiritual fruit. Please, you know, the Bible study about abiding, abiding in Christ that I put online on YouTube yesterday, uh, it's worth it to read, to listen to. It's about 20 minutes or, or less than 20 minutes. Go to that after this or when you have time. So she asked this pressing question about worship. Um, and when, when it comes to the Lord's Prayer, which is what we wanted to now uh, to discuss today about hallowed be thy name. She was asking essentially, how can I hallow the name of God? Hallow is to make holy or to reverence. Um, hallowed is, if you wanted to pronounce every part of that, hallowed be thy name. But we just say hallowed uh, be thy name. Uh, we want the name of God to be holy. Now, St. Cyril, so this is her request. How can I do this? How can I make this? And of course, we are saying this every day. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. What does hallowed be thy name mean? Uh, we want your name to be holy. Okay, isn't the name of God already holy? Didn't the archangel, when he came to St. Mary, said, uh, you know, the one who will be baptized in you will be the Son of God, and holy, and holy is his name? Uh, and it's uh, referenced elsewhere. Uh, that his name is holy. Okay, so his name is holy. It's a fact that his name is holy. Why are we saying, hallowed be thy name, if his name is already hallowed? All right, so now we have to understand that that prayer is reflecting upon us individually and reflecting upon society. And we're going to see, and I hope I come back to this point, how not only does she learn how to hallow uh, the name of God, but she runs to tell others as well. And that is all locked into that small verse, hallowed be thy name. We're going to ask God to allow us to have your name be more holy in our lives. More holy, more revealed, revered in our lives. St. Cyril um, says, by us becoming holy, we are able to draw near unto the holy God. For it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. And once he said uh, to Moses, I will be hallowed in those who draw near to me. Leviticus 10 verse 3. I God is saying this to Moses, I will be hallowed in those who draw near to me. And so this prayer, of hallowed be thy name, St. Cyril says, is may your name be kept holy in us, in our minds, and in our wills. For this is the signification of the word hallowed. And he also, um, he asks, you know, St. Cyril is sort of saying, we must ask that we possess the mind and the faith to feel that the name of God is honorable and holy. 
And this is, um, we can see about how quickly we mention His name. How quickly do we think about when we say the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, understanding that we're calling on, on God, the, the same God who visited Moses in the, in the burning bush. When Moses asked him his name, he said, I am who I am, or I am the one who exists. I don't, he's not giving him a name, but he says, I am the one who exists or is existence. And that great God who split the, uh, the, the waters of the Red Sea, that great God who, you know, closed the mouth of the lions, who saved uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, that is the same God that we casually, forgive me, call on when we say in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He is God and He is to be revered. And we oftentimes in the liturgy say, Worship God with fear and with trembling. Now, it's not that we have to actually be trembling when we're worshiping God or fear or feel this scared about God. No, but we have to re keep in mind, who are we in front of? Who are we approaching? He is, St. Paul describes him in the book of Hebrews, a consuming fire. And so this isn't to scare you but it's to shake us into understanding who is God when we approach Him. So when Saint, Saint Cyril is giving us words that hallowed be your name or hallowed be thy name, we are asking for God to allow His name to be more holy in our minds and not only in our minds, but in our hearts as well. Hallowed be your name. In addition to that, he says we're also interceding for those who are around us, for our community, our, our, our families, our neighborhoods, our churches, everything. He's saying we're, we're interceding so that those who have already believed and for those who have not yet received the faith nor acknowledged the truth, we're praying for them, for those who have believed in faith that their faith may be established and for those and to grow in the excellence of life that's the hallowed be your name. It's a relationship that the name of God is becoming stronger and more revered and more hallowed in our lives, those who have believed. And for those who have not yet believed, we're saying hallowed be your name in them. He's saying those who have not yet believed, we're asking that they may be called and that their eyes may be opened. Even in this following the footsteps of Christ, uh, Christ, who according to St. John is the advocate with the Father for our sins and not for ours only, but he's an advocate for the whole world. Therefore, we are intercessors uh, for, the, for everyone in the whole world, just like the saints were as well. And so that is a beautiful way for us to understand this hallowed be thy name. And we see this in the Samaritan woman, because not only does she get her answer, but she goes and she runs and she tells everyone else about this. And in a way, she is also embodying the one uh, who has put on the whole armor of Christ, which was taken from the Pauline epistle. She's embodying this how she is putting on 
the whole armor to withstand the evil one. She is girding her waist with truth. The truth, the, so first off, to gird the waist, that's what holds everything together. It holds your, your, your tunic, holds your weapons, holds everything. The, 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 so the truth is what holds everything together. So she girds herself with this truth. And girding also is kind of this, uh, so that you can run. So that you can run. And you see that she said, she left her, pot, went, her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, you can see this woman who has been avoiding people, all of a sudden running to be in the company of all these people to tell them and proclaim with her loudest voice, come, see a man who has told me everything that I ever do have done. Could this be the Messiah? And at the end of that, you hear, this is John chapter 4. This is These are people that haven't seen the crucifixion or the miracles even to come. They haven't seen uh, the, uh, yeah, they probably have seen none of the miracles. Uh, they have not known about Christ. He had to sit with them for two days to teach them. And at the end, they're faster to believe that he is the Christ, the Savior of the world. They come to this belief so quickly, as opposed to the Jews and the scribes and the Pharisees and all those people that are very well studied and knowledgeable in the Old Testament who are completely blind to seeing the truth. So she comes and she girds herself with this truth and she runs. She puts on the breastplate of righteousness which protects her heart. And that, that idea of this breastplate, it's, it's, it's almost like she's confessed and now she's coming out with this sense of feeling of, of a feeling of dignity, which we know that sense of dignity in our humanity is is also what we receive when we return from confession. We feel a sigh of relief. Thank you, God, for what you have given to me that that forgiveness of sins, and it protects us against the enemy. She now goes with this righteousness that she's received from God. Not that she's righteous, but this righteousness of God. Christ has come to her, Christ has spoken to her, Christ has taught her, Christ has spoken to her heart, and she takes that almost as if Christ is right behind her, and she feels that, that strength of that protection. But that's that breast, that, that, sorry, that breastplate, sorry, the breastplate of, of righteousness. And then she has the, it says, shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. She has her feet, <clears throat> and she runs with her feet, to speak about the gospel of peace. Isaiah 52, 7, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who announces the good news. And she has this willingness to announce the good news in a way that we too have to have that willingness to have our feet always pr prepared to, to speak about the gospel of peace. She takes on that shield of faith she takes on um, uh, that shield of faith that she, what she is saying is true. And she runs to be in the midst of these people, not fearing ridicule, not fearing that she is going to um, uh, be uh, uh, rejected by them. She has this faith and she's able, no matter what they say, she's got this shield of faith that doesn't matter what they're going to say. She's going to be able to defend against that. That's that strength that she feels. It's like a, it's not just a little dinky shield. It's a huge, think of a huge body shield that you might have seen in some of these uh, war movies uh, from way back when. And then it says, take on uh, the helmet of salvation. 
That's this ability to hold our heads high, to know that it doesn't, uh, it, it, it doesn't matter what's going to happen. I am holding my head high and I have this helmet that's going to protect me. It's not going to stop me from keeping my head high. And I'm reminded of this beautiful uh, passage from uh, Daniel chapter 13, verse 14 uh, onward. It's the story of the three holy youth. And the three holy youth, when they're being confronted by Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar comes to him and says, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you will not serve my gods or worship the golden image which I have set up? He says, Now, if you are ready when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the trion, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image which I have made well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into the fire, burning fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Look at that strength in the face of a fiery furnace, in the face of death. They say, we're not going to tell you. We don't have to defend our God. And they say, if it be so, if it be so, um, <clears throat> if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hands, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. He says, basically, they say, he can save us, but even if he doesn't save us, it doesn't mean he's not our God, and it doesn't mean we're going to worship your God. Right? And that is power. That's that idea of holding our head up high. And also, in the book of, uh, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21, when Jesus Christ is speaking about the end and about all the signs and all the things that are going to happen and all the terrible things. He says the, the sun and the moon and the stars and, and distress of nations in perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves and men fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world for the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And this is, and then you will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And now these things, and, and now when these things begin to take place, look up and raise your heads because your redemption is near. This is the idea of the helmet of salvation. If you don't have a helmet, you cower, you protect your head, you're, you're trying to duck uh, against whatever is happening. But if you have this helmet of salvation, which is indestructible, you hold your head up high. You're not scared to look people into the, in the face and to speak about what you know, which is what God has spoken to in your hearts, what you know about this life. If in this life we are only looking for Christ's help uh, and we're not believing in that resurrection and life to come, St. Paul says we are the most miserable of people. But it's not what he does for us here. It's not only what he does for us here. It's what he has promised to do for us. And we hold our hope strongly and firmly in that promise which is to come. And we see this beautiful example of this woman 
who, who takes on this full armor and goes head first, straight for the company of men. Not embarrassed of her past, not embarrassed of the words that she's about to say. And then she has the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. She takes what she has heard and she gives it to them. And then comes Christ who continues to speak to them, the Word of God. And we overcome our enemies, of course, by killing them with the sword. And the sword is the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. And St. Paul describes the Word of God as living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirits. And this Word of God is in our hands. And I've been urging you, to speak, uh, to, to, to read the Word of God more and more. Everything, actually, I don't know if you think this is um, appropriate, but I feel like everything that I have been saying to you from way back when, sit by yourself, sit alone, sit in stillness, sit in silence, read your Bible, read your Egbeya, now it's being forced upon you. It's being forced upon you, so... Uh, you know, it's not, um, how do I say this nicely? Look, it's repeated many times. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Right? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So let's take advantage of this time. I am seeing in myself that when I spend the day away from the news and what's going on on TV and all of this stuff, I find myself able to pray and to meditate and to be at peace. But once I turn it on, I am thrown into this whirlwind of I need every minute of every word of everything that's been said because I need to know what is going on, the coronavirus, this, that, and the other. And I get sucked into the world again, you know. And and I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing. I don't know if that's necessarily a helpful thing. I think... I myself have to learn, and you as well, have to learn to limit ourselves in what we understand, what we know. Stay informed. But the second you feel your peace is leaving you, you have to go back and you have to pray. You have to you know, use the Psalms, use the prayers, use everything that we have so that we can um, defeat the, 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 the powers, the evil one who is fighting against us. So how do we fight? We have to fight completely. We have to fight um, with, with everything that we got. And don't think that now is less of a time to fight or we have less problems or less issues. Now is more than ever a time to fight. Uh, I, I, you know, speaking about the news, um, I was going through my email after our prayers this morning um, and I got this weekend briefing uh, from uh, the New York Times uh, don't judge me. I still haven't. I, um, I I don't know how I'm getting this email other than I had to sign in uh, in order for me to read an article. And now I'm getting a thousand of these emails a day. But I'll change those settings. But you know, it's the the New York Times this morning. One in every four Americans uh, is being asked to stay home. Uh, hospitals are uh, have uh, a low supply of what they need. Um, there are uh, shortages everywhere. 
there are probably 11 times more undetected cases uh, than what we know. Uh, doctors are being forced to save, to, to choose who are they going to save and who are they not going to save. Uh, the economy is in shambles. The, um, um, you know, there's a couple of other things. Oh, it's number eight on this list is funny. It's, it's a boom time for the bean industry. For the bean industry. This is funny because every time in the past couple of days that I have gone to the grocery store, all of the vegan food is still there left on the shelves. Uh, and, and, and this is good for us who are fasting and during this time. Uh, so we have a little bit more um, uh, availability. I'm not worried yet about food and food situations. Uh, but there are people who, if they had it bad before, definitely have it bad now. I mean, we're in America and we're in South Orange County, but what about those people who are living, uh, you know, I haven't read any story about coronavirus in India, but imagine you're living in India and you're, you, you're living on whatever provisions you can fit in your small 200 square foot apartment with the rest of your family. And you have this, uh, the past or this history of you just get the food for the day. I wonder how those people are surviving. My point is that we need to pray and we have to realize that we are at war. It's a spiritual war now. The devil attacks us through our bodies and he attacks us with, uh, with all that is going on. It's an attack on our spirituality. Well, it's not the time to say, God, take away all this stuff. Amen. It's about, it's time for us to say, God, give us the strength, give us the wisdom, give us the wherewithal. First, you know, to trust in you completely. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. This is the time where all of those verses should come to your mind and say, yes, I am going to live my life this way. I am going to focus uh, on, on this war. We have to pray not only for ourselves, but for this world. And we have to take those prayers very seriously. This is not a time for us to sit on our couches watching the news and getting more and more depressed about what is going on. This is now a time where we have to, to the best of our ability. Now, I'm not saying it has to be 24-7. If it can be 24-7, let's do it. Maybe that's something that we can do as a church where we say, look, we're each going to take one hour of the day. You know, we're each going to take one hour of the day and we're going to pray during that hour. Uh, you know, I'll sign up for six o'clock. I'll sign up for seven o'clock. I'll sign up. And we're going to just keep praying until this, this thing is done. Until God has mercy on us. And I'm sure that there are other people that are doing this. This isn't probably my uh, novel idea, but maybe I'll send that out. Or maybe I'll send out half hour increments for people to sign up and to pray. But we need to pray. And we need to praise. But we also have to have hope. And we have to know that God is with us, Emmanuel. He is with us in the suffering. He's not pushing his finger on us and making us you know, suffer and enjoying this from heaven. He is with us in the suffering. And he sees us. And, and again, I use that word lightly when it comes to my situation because my suffering is extremely light compared to what other people are going out there. I can't imagine. I read a story of a new a doctor, um, emergency room doctor and a wife who has a newborn and a, and a young child. The wife and the newborn and the child are, are isolating themselves from this doctor until this is all done. So imagine a doctor who's going day in and day out, fighting uh, against this situation and not having contact with his family at all. Uh, this is, this is, we have to pray for these individuals. We have to 
pray for all of those people who are suffering. And this is the time where we don't have to say specifically, but say, God, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, as you know and as you will, have mercy. Uh, and so, you know, during this period of time, we have to take on that armor of God. We have to look at this Samaritan woman as, as a courageous woman who heard, heard the word of God and did it. And she ran, she did it to the best of her ability, and she brought many to Christ. I'm not even going to go into the traditional story of what she did afterwards. Uh, her as uh, She's known as Saint Fotini. But what she did here was remarkable. Let us do the same. Let us take what we what we can from the Word of God and apply it in our lives to the best of our ability. Let's keep our courage up. Let's keep our, our spirits up. And let's encourage one another. I was happy when uh, one of you had said to me, Abun, I'm glad that you're doing your Agbeya prayers every night. You're encouraging us to pray. That's all I want to do. I'm, I'm not, you know, trying to, it's not the, the, the Father Dan Habib, uh, you know, YouTube hour or whatever. I'm not trying to do any of that stuff. I want to encourage you in your spiritual lives at home. We're going to get through this and we're going to again return and we're going to be in our churches again. Um, I'm not guaranteeing that, but I'm hoping that. And when we do, I don't want to lose these precious moments. I don't want these this time that we had in our homes to have been a wash or a loss or just a feeling of extreme anxiety. We're going to have PTSD afterwards if we're, if we're going to live this way. But we take on the challenges of our day, day by day. And we have so much, so much um, that we can use in our lives to, to, um, to strengthen our spiritual life. We're halfway through Lent. My... I told uh, Justin that, and he's like, oh, man, it was so long, and we're only halfway. I was like, no, it's good news. We're only halfway, halfway, and we got another half to go. Um, and we're going to get through this. We're going to continue. I might, um, in this week, decide, instead of this, I'll take everybody's opinion, but instead of having a Zoom, or, a, sorry, a Hangout meeting like this, I might switch over to YouTube Live, um, if I can figure out the technology. Uh, but I'll keep you posted. I'll send out emails. Um, may God accept our fasting, accept our prayers, give us the wisdom to put on the whole armor of God and to be able to be as courageous as this Samaritan woman. May He bless our efforts, every small little thing that we do. May He receive it as a sacrifice in heaven. May He receive our prayers, He receive our petitions, May He uh, calm our emotions and our anxiety and our, uh, our feeling depressed. May He give us hope in the resurrection. May He give us hope in a better life, in a new life, in a, in, a, in a better time. May He give us the ability to pray for our brothers and our sisters and for the whole world which is in distress. May He allow us the strength to serve where we can. May He be glorified in all that we, we do. To Him be the glory, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, now and ever into the age of all ages. Amen.